Hello there, and welcome to the SLP Now podcast, where we share practical therapy tips and ideas for busy speech-language pathologists. Grab your favorite beverage and sit back as we dive into this week's episode. This week, we are sharing a module out of my speech therapy PD course called How to Rock Your School Year. In this episode, you'll get a peek at the module where I share strategies for success in your first week, and I share five things that you want to do, as well as tips for success in getting those done um, efficiently and without too much overwhelm. And if you'd like to earn CEUs and access our full three-hour course jam-packed with strategies to help you rock your school year, um, head to slpnow.com rock. Again, that's slpnow.com rock, R-O-C-K. When you sign up for a speech therapy PD membership, you'll have access to this course and so many more. And if you use the code SLPNOW, so S-L-P-N-O-W, you'll get to save $10, which makes it a really amazing deal. So without further ado, let's dive in. One thing that I think is super important um, that we want to dive into first before we go through all of the regular logistics of introducing yourself, gathering your caseload, starting to schedule things out, putting together that paperwork system, we want to talk about your why. And this is what will keep us going when we are drowning in paperwork or we're getting spit on or dealing with other accidents and just doing, navigating all of the challenges that inevitably come our way as speech-language pathologists. But if we have a really strong why behind why we're doing the things that we do and why we decided to become an SLP in the first place, why we decided to work in the schools, um, it'll make it that much more doable and a lot less stressful if we know that we're, if we know what we're working towards and what we want to make happen. Um, and we can make a choice if we want to be, if we want to, we can choose to feel overwhelmed or we can choose to tackle things with a positive mindset. So I really challenge you to think about that and just really remember the reason behind why you're doing this. And, um, it's really interesting because I wrote a blog post, a year or two ago. I can't remember exactly when it was, um, but it was when I was feeling a little bit hesitant to head back to work and just kind of feeling like in a little bit of a rut. But there's actually some research out there around creating some statements for yourself. And if you want a fancy name for it, you can call it a manifesto. Um, but I will share, I'm going to put together a blog post with just the different links that I'm sharing here. Um, but some of the statements that I put together, just in case you're looking for some inspiration, are that I make a difference in the lives of my students. And I think that's, when I talk to pretty much any SLP, that's why they do what they do. They do it for the students. Um, and we can hone in and get a little bit more specific. We can say that we help students find their voice. 
We enable students to communicate when they otherwise might not be able to. And we play such an important role in the schools that we get to have that, we have that very specific specialty and we can empower students to communicate when they might not otherwise be able to. Um, and then I'm a voice for students with disabilities and will speak up. This is one that I definitely <laughs> uh, kind of put at the forefront uh, because like we, some of our students don't have a voice yet and we need to speak up for them. And sometimes it's scary to do that advocacy and jump into that role. Um, but that's one thing that I had in my personal manifesto. And we won't go through all of the different things, um, but it's just a lot of it is about what I do for my students and how I see myself as an SLP. Like I'm constantly learning and improving. I'm a problem solver. And um, I the last statement is the one that I wanted to end off with before we dive into all the nitty gritty uh, strategies. But the last one is I am exactly who I need to be. So it's easy to compare yourself to the other SLPs out there. You might be looking at some of the pictures that I share or um, what other SLPs are sharing on Instagram or other speech therapists in your district. You might see what they're doing and think, oh, I'm not as good as Sally or I don't have this like she does. And it's easy to fall into that comparison trap and like, oh, maybe I'm not the SLP that I need to be to serve this student. But I really feel like we like we are there for a reason. There's a reason why we get those challenging students. There's a reason why we're at the schools that we're at. And we can play a very important role. And you have everything that you need to make that happen. Um, and it's just a matter of continuing to work at it and be a problem solver and um, work through those challenges. But you have exactly what you need to solve those problems. And we get really good at problem solving. So I just wanted to start off with that. And if you're wanting to explore that more, I, like I said, I will share the link. But if not, we're done with the woo-woo stuff now. Now back to all of the type A super productive um just tips. So that brings us to the second component of our the first things that we want to do in our first week of school because we've got our mindset and now we're diving into all of the logistics. Um, so we want to introduce ourselves. We'll say hi to the office staff and the teachers. Um, start building those relationships because we are not an island and we depend on our team to be effective in our roles. And um, one of my favorite things to do is to schedule a party at the beginning of the school year. And I'll, I'll it's not like your traditional party. Um, it's very, very short, but it gives us, it, we walk out of that party with a completed schedule and some really nice rapport building with our team of teachers um, so I'll share more of the logistics on how that works, um, but I've seen a lot of SLPs implement that, and that's the only way I've ever um, done scheduling and started out my school year, and it always works really well. Um, and then another strategy that's really helpful is to send out a form to parents, and um, I will share, I'll just share this in the chat 
now, um, but it'll also be in the blog post. Um, so this is one of my favorite ones. It's the ones that I always use. Um, it's by Natalie Snyders, and it's a free resource on teachers, paid teachers. And um, yeah, so that's a really great one. But just sending something home to the parents because it's really hard to be able to connect with them, especially if we have a caseload of 60, 70, 80 plus students. Um, but sending home a letter, at least some of them will see it. And then um, if there is a meet the teacher night or a back to school night, I will participate in that. Um, but those are, I think those are kind of like the soft things in our role that can make a really big difference. If we're present there, it'll pave the road for success in a lot of other areas. And sometimes it just, it feels like I don't totally belong in those places, but if that comes up for you, you definitely do belong and it will pave, like I said, it paves the road for future um, teamwork and interaction with the members of the team. And so that time is really important and I just try to make the most of it whenever I do participate in those activities. So that is step two. So now for step three, we get to start gathering our caseload information. And this comes from, like we don't get it in just a nice little package, as you know, it comes from a lot of different sources. Um, hopefully, uh, I've had <laughs> different situations in different districts, but hopefully your district has a list of students prepared for you. Um, this is often found in whichever IEP system you're using. And you can log into that and you should have a caseload assigned to you. Um, and so I go through that and that's my starting point. But then I just double check and reference um, any list that the previous SLP might have left behind or if I'm at the same school district, the list from last year, just to make sure that no one's being missed. Um, and then the school psych is an amazing resource too because he or she will be getting the transfers and processing those in typically. Um, so that's a way, that's someone to connect with and get information from. And so I start to build my caseload off of that. And then I just keep the feelers out there to make sure that no one is being missed. Um, and then, because, oh, that reminds, like, have any of you ever had the nightmare that you had a student on your caseload that you didn't know about? That hasn't actually happened to me in real life, but I have had some nightmares where like John Smith was on your caseload since July, but you never saw him. Um, so just taking these steps at the beginning of the year will make sure that that does not happen. Okay, and then the next thing, um, we're kind of starting to get ready for the scheduling component of our school year. So we want to ask for a class list and Typically, the secretary, like whoever's in the front office, is the person who will have that. And they, I know that I've never been able to get it right away. It always, like it always takes them, them some time to get that put together. So that's why it's really important to um, introduce yourself to that office staff person and um, kind of establish some rapport for them because you know you really need that schedule, that class roster to get started with scheduling, um, but then she's also navigating, he or she is navigating all of the demands 
So if we have some rapport there, it makes that conversation a little bit easier. And then once we have those pieces of information put together, this is when we get to start diving in. Um, so I, what I typically do is once I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of my caseload and um, granted information will continue to come in as students transfer in and out, there's always a lot of movement in the beginning of the school year. But once I feel like I have a semi-solid list, um, I will take some time to go through that list of students so that I can prepare myself for the year. Um, and this is typically easier if you are at the, continuing at the same school. It'll take a little bit longer if you are jumping into a brand new caseload. Um, but I like to, so all of the districts that I've been in have a way to print an IEP at a glance. Um, and I use this for myself, but then also to share with teachers, which we'll talk about further into the presentation. Um, but I would strongly suggest to see if your system allows you to export just like a quick summary of the student's IEP that can save you a lot of time in compiling all of that information. Um, if not, there are a lot of different templates available on sites like Teachers Pay Teachers. And um, I just use that to do like a file review, kind of like we would do in grad school. Um, and I make sure that I have kind of a general idea of what they're working on, make any notes of things that are really important in their history. Um, and then this is also when I start to collect the information that's really important in terms of starting to manage the paperwork and all of those other components. So I make sure that I have a list of the students' names, the teachers and their contact information, parents and their contact information, um, the IEP dates, the evaluation dates, and all of that information because that's what I need to get set up for success when it comes to getting started with all of the paperwork, like the IEPs and the evaluations, as well as just scheduling students out. Um, and you can do this in a number of ways. Um, I know some SLPs just write it out on paper. I feel like it changes way too much to deal with a piece of paper. So I would strongly recommend um, trying to use like a spreadsheet or a Word document or something just so that you can easily update and move things around and then just print some updated copies if you want that hard copy. Um, and then I will share how I organize it in just a second. Um, but there's lots of digital tools out there as well that you can use to organize your student caseload information and then some. Um, so this is a look at how I do it. This is in um, the SLP Now system, and it lets me enter their, the students' names, and it doesn't show all of the information on this first page, but at a glance, I can see who their teachers are, which is really helpful with scheduling, what grade they're in, um, and then I use the IEP end dates and the evaluation dates to manage my paperwork process, which no worries, we are going to dive so much or dive into that in a lot more detail pretty soon here. Um, and then one extra thing that this has is that it lets me see their service time 
and because it's at the beginning of the school year, none of my students have minutes yet, um, but it lets me track the cumulative amount of time that I've seen them. So that can be really helpful. Another thing that I really like to do, and this is something that I actually do using paper and pen. Like I like to just be able to write it out because there's so many little things that keep happening. Um, but what I do is I jot down all of the grades that I'm seeing in the column, in the first column. So I'll do like preschool, kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth to fill in each of the rows. And then, um, then I go through my students' IEPs. And if I have the IEP at a glance, that makes it really, really simple. So I just go through, okay, John Smith, he has goals working on, he's in preschool and has goals to work on K and synonyms and past tense verbs. And that would, that's probably not the goals that we're working on, but if that were the case, then I would put K and then either John's name or just a ne one next to that um, under the articulation column. Then I would put um, synonyms and then a tally in the language column and then past tense verbs with a tally in the grammar column. And that is incredibly helpful when it comes to planning out getting my therapy ideas planned because then I can easily see what types of skills I will be working on. It gives me an idea for the types of activities that might work for the different grade levels, depending on what types of goals I'm working on. It helps me gather all of the assessments that I might need. Um, and then I just wanna be careful to make sure that I have assessments that match the wording of the student's goals so that I can actually measure progress towards their specific goals and not just K. Like if I have a K goal, um, and the student is going to use K in sentences, just giving them a list of words in their probe data or their assessments wouldn't help me measure progress towards that goal. So I do want to make sure that the specifics match up, um, but this is just a really helpful overview to get me started in compiling those different materials. And that's something that we'll also talk about more when we talk about getting started with therapy. But I like to take some time at the during the first week of school to work through this so that I know what I'm looking at. Um, and we might be taking some time um, now to also like organize our speech room and get some materials together. So just being able to have this at a glance and know what areas I'm going to be focusing on over the school year is really helpful. Um, and then an added bonus, I usually just make a couple copies of this and um, I'll like write I'll write assessments at the top of one of them. Then I'll write visuals at the top of another sheet. And then I'll write PD on top of another sheet. And then I just highlight them as I feel like I'm fulfilling the needs for that area. Um, so I will, like if I have a lot of students with grammar goals in preschool and I don't feel great about targeting those, I'm going to look into some professional development to help me build my toolbox of skills to target grammar with that age. And then once I feel good about that, I'll just highlight that. And then that helps me prioritize because if I have 10 kids working on grammar and one student working on R, it makes it really easy to decide which one to focus on. Um, and it just 
like in the overwhelm of the first week of school, it's just so nice to see it laid out in such a simple way. And granted, there might be a lot of areas where I feel like, oh, I feel like I need all those materials and those assessments and that professional development. But just having it laid out makes it feel that much less overwhelming because like, we'll get to it. We won't get to it all right now, but we'll get there and we will make progress. I have a plan. I'm just going to keep tackling one thing at a time. And that just, I think that's really helpful for me and I hope it is for you too. So that's how we'll navigate that first component. And that's how we kind of what we do to collect that information and what we can do once we get those basics. Okay, so let's dive into the schedule. Um, and this, this is scheduling it out in terms of the paperwork that's coming up um, because sometimes we, hopefully the previous SLP took care of things, um, but I've walked into schools where I had to do IEPs and evaluations right off that first week. And I just want to make sure that I'm not missing any of that and that I'm also setting up setting myself up for success for the future um, due dates that are coming up. So what I do, this is just a simple about simple example. We will probably have more than three <laughs> uh, IEPs due in any given month. Um, but I know that when I walk in, I feel really overwhelmed with the thought of tackling 50, 60, 70, 80 plus IEPs in a school year, plus, I don't know, maybe 30 evaluations. Like how in the world am I going to get that done? So this also helps, again, reduce that overwhelm and gives me a plan of action. And we'll dive into more of the paperwork system components in just a minute here. Um, but what I like to do is I look at all of the I map out all of the IEPs due this year, and then I kind of look for trends. So I will just look, observe, okay, there's four due in August, 10 due in September, five due in November, two due in December. Um, and I know I skipped some months there. <laughs> um, but then I would kind of distribute that because I don't want to be drowning in my the month that I have 10 or 20 or however many IEPs and just kind of be twiddling my thumbs the other month. Like I want to, for my work-life balance and sanity, I kind of want to distribute that over the year. So um, I kind of split them into chunks and distribute the work evenly throughout the school year. And that might mean that I'm writing an IEP for December in November, or maybe even a little bit sooner. But I just kind of, I just continue to work through the paperwork process, which will make more sense in just a second. And then the meeting might still happen in December. But the worst part of it for me, at least, is getting all of those components together and getting all of the, like updating all the baselines and um, figuring out which goals to write and meeting all of those checkboxes for the actual paperwork process, the meeting in itself is, I mean, it's kind of like, I kind of have fun getting to connect with the parents and do some problem solving and figure all of that out. Um, and that's like a little mindset shift there in trying to enjoy those meetings. Um, but then that way it makes 
makes it so that I'm a little more sane throughout the school year. Um, and hopefully that makes sense. Just working ahead a little bit so that the crazy months aren't so crazy. So in terms of how I navigate that and how I make that work, I've come up with a lot of strategies to help make the actual paperwork process a little bit less crazy and chaotic. Um, and these are my two favorite tools. Um, super cheesy picture, but you can see it all, and I'm happy because it works. Um, so I really enjoy this hanging file organizer. Um, you can find it on Amazon, and they have so many different options. Um, you probably have something in the school that you could grab that lets you organize IEPs like this or just organize files in this way. I really like this one because it's color-coded and that makes me happy, but I feel like it has a manageable workload. So my rule is that, because there's six files here, and I never work on more than six reports at a time. And so the process might look like, okay, I'm working on this IEP, it's October, I'm working on this IEP that's due in November, and while I'm working on it, it's living in that folder. And then once it's done, I move it into the cabinet so that it's just ready for the meeting. And that's happening, that only happens if I'm like working ahead more. Um, but typically it, like the workload is, it works out where I can write it and go to the meeting and not have to kind of switch the storage around. But that just helps me really focus on those six students at one time instead of trying to think about like 15 different students at the same time. And that's when, because I can juggle six, but juggling 15 is really challenging for me at least. And you'll know your limits and you know what works for you. Um, but I found that if I could work in this way, I just knock those out, move them into the cabinet for storage. If it's not time to meet yet, bring in some new ones. And it's just that constant rotating system. Um, and I also used, so I've switched from like the paper and pencil checklist, um, but I wanted to share that because I know that it still works really well for a number of SLPs. So inside each folder, um, or each folder has an IEP checklist and or an evaluation checklist, depending on what we're working on. And I just laminated these. I printed a handful at the beginning of the year, like, and I printed a little bit more than six because I want to keep the checklist with the ones that get like archived. So maybe make like 10 or 15, however many you think you'll need. But they're laminated and then I just use a dry erase marker um, or a wet erase marker to write on, to check off as I go along. And then when the IEP is done, when we're when I've met all the requirements, I just wipe that off and then stick it into the next folder. Um, and that was just a way to make it fun for myself, but you could also just print paper copies. Um, but the most important part of this system is that you have a checklist. So this will look different depending on which district you're in um, and what your district requirements are. But I, um, so, and a lot of times it can be really helpful to meet with the SLPs in your district too, 
to come up with a process that makes the most sense. And you can all kind of compile your different checklists and come up with the ultimate checklist to make sure that everyone's getting all of their components um, in the IEPs and evaluations. Like I know I would always forget to collect a language sample. Um, and that was something that I was always, always just scrambling last minute to get to or like observing in the classroom. So um, just you can make this as detailed or as general as you need to, as long as it helps you remember all of the different components. Because you could list like every single subsection of the IEP. Um, that might not be super helpful. Like I try and make it as broad as possible without making it so that I miss different components. So if for me, I can just put write IEP and that process from filling in like those, just all the boxes required um, isn't that big of a process for me. I can sit down and just do that in a in quick setting. Um, but if it's taking you more time and or you don't have an, as many blocks of time to work through things, you might want to make it more specific and granular to navigate through that. So that's, but having a checklist, regardless of how detailed or general it is, is so helpful. Um, and then I started organizing this in a tool called Asana. Um, and I have a blog post where I go into a lot more detail on how the digital task system works. I just pasted that into the chat um, if you want to check it out, but it's, um, I know it's a whole new world of things to start tackling. And if you're feeling good with a paper checklist, you don't even need to set this up. But I just like it because it lets me do, like it even lets me do color coding and it automatically builds out the checklist. It helps remind me like what's most important based on the due dates. It's really cool. Um, but I know that's not everyone's cup of tea. I just wanted to share that because that was super helpful for me. Another tool that's really helpful when it comes to making that IEP writing process a little bit less overwhelming and a little bit quicker is to um, create some templates. And there are a lot of really amazing templates available online if you just look for, like just do a Google search for evaluation templates or IEP templates speech therapy. Um, there's some really great resources out there and I can also link those in the blog post um, I'll make a note there too, to include the templates. Um, but that can be a really great starting point. And you have templates in all of the different IEPs um, that you have. Um, oh, I think I might. Thanks for the heads up on the chat. It should work now. Um, but yeah, so there are... Um, you have a lot of templates already. So you have the um, all the IEPs that you've written or all of the IEPs that are in the file cabinet at your brand new school if you're a brand new therapist. Um, and there are, so you have a lot of text that you can grab from. Um, reach out to an SLP that you admire and see if you can look at some of his or her IEPs and evaluations and just how they do their documentation. Um, that can be a really helpful strategy. And then what I do, just to take it one step further, 
Um, because I don't know about you, but I like looking at a blank screen is really overwhelming to me. Um, and so I needed to find a way to help give myself a little bit of a boost. Um, so I started using an app called Text Expander, and they have a lot of different versions of this. Um, and let's see if I can find a link real quick for you guys too. Um, but what I do is I have uh, template text for all of the different components that I put into, like the things that I write all the time in my evaluations and my IEPs. So in the screenshot, it's pretty small, but hopefully you can get an idea of what is included in that, like just the general findings of what I always write for those findings, what I always write for the Goldman Fresco, and you can see what that looks like. And I just pulled different templates from all of the resources that we just talked about, um, and I pulled those all together. And then how it works, because you can see the abbreviation on the very bottom, so when I go into my IEP system and I type .gfta, it makes a nice little sound effect, like it goes bloop, and then the text expands and it inserts this whole summary. So I used to keep all of my templates in a massive Word document. It got to be like 100 pages or something crazy, and I was constantly like scrolling and trying to search and find the right template, and that just took a long time. But with this, the things that I use all the time, like when I'm writing that report and it's like, okay, I gave the Goldman Fristo dot GFTA, bloop, and then it fills in that whole thing. And then I have a system to make sure that I fill in all of the blanks, which I'll show you in just a second. But this is one tool that can save a whole lot of time in your evaluation and IEP writing process. So I'll share that here too. Okay, so the next thing that makes it a lot easier, so I just pasted in the template for the self, and then um, as you could see, like, okay, so here it is, it just expanded it, and then it has a bunch of asterisks and blank spaces, and I need to fill in that information because I can't have something analysis of asterisk responses. And so I use a keyboard shortcut and it's Command F on a Mac or Control F on a PC. And then if you do that, you can replace, you can choose the replace option and type in three asterisks and then type in the student's name. And then it fills the student's name into all of those different blanks. And you can set up your template however you want. I just happen to use three asterisks. Um, and then another thing that I did, um, so sometimes you like you can write his slash her, and then you can search for that and replace it with the correct pronoun and the same for he versus she. Or you can use asterisks for the pronouns too. You can do like two asterisks for he and one asterisk for um his, her, like the possess, the subject one and the possessive pronouns. And so just set up the template in a way that makes the most sense for you. Um, if that's too much to work with, you can just look for the asterisks and fill them in. But that's just a way to make it a little bit faster. And then we obviously want to fill in the scores with the blanks in it. 
but I just do a quick spot check at the end where I do, I use the find function and just type in, make sure there's no asterisks or blank bars um, so that I have a complete IEP because there's nothing worse than having like the wrong student's name in the IEP or whatnot. So that's how I manage the paperwork component. Oh, let's dive into all things scheduling. Thanks for listening to the SLP Now podcast. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through Speech Therapy PD. So yes, you can earn ASHA CEUs for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your SLP friends. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest episodes sent directly to you. See you next time.